Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Cultural Inquiry Podcast. This is your host, Haroon. Hey, it's Zach. And today we have a wonderful guest. His name is Justin Wilk. He comes from the Prince William County School Board. He's from the Potomac District, representing it. Now, Justin, why don't you give a little bit of an introduction about yourself? Tell us what a school board member is and what you do. Thank you, Haroon. Thank you, guys. Uh, I appreciate being on here. Um, my name is Justin Wilk, as Haroon said. Uh, have been on the Prince William County School Board since uh, 2015. Um, I was recently reelected in November, um, and uh, have you know dealt with issues uh, stemming from uh, name changes of building to protecting LGBTQ students, um, equity in schools, um, renaming Confederate uh, buildings, etc. Uh, helping push for a strategic plan that truly addresses the gaps in learning. So those are just some of the kind of issues that I'm, uh, you know, very proud of the work that we've done as a board. Uh, we've seen a lot of changes on the board from when I was first elected in 2015. And then we had a surge uh, in the county, I would say, in the 19 elections, uh, which changed uh, the dy dynamics of the school board dramatically. Uh, when it came to partisan composition. So uh, for anyone who's listening, the school board is technically a nonpartisan board, uh, but uh, candidates run on uh, the sample ballots of the party of choice or the party that basically uh, uh, nominates them to be their candidate in the district. So that's kind of a little bit of rundown about me. Uh, super exciting. Um, and yeah, so, for yeah, sure. yeah. So Haroon actually helped uh, my first campaigns a I lot, did. I did. a it lot. Was great. Yeah, he was there all the time. Mm -hmm. And when he wasn't, when I could when walk, he, when he wasn't there, I got angry. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I can tell you for a fact, I got many a text messages like, uh, "Where the fuck are you? <laughs> Why aren't you walking with me today?" And I'm like, I "Man, don't, I don't know I if didn't. I used that." Oh, he didn't use those words. Those quote, yeah. you know, yeah. of course he didn't. Not you know? at all. He's a beautiful angel, actually. Yeah, the nicest man I've ever worked for. I do my best. He does. He so. seems awfully friendly right now. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. his shirt, so there you go. Yeah, he's good shirt. He actually gave me the shirt I'm wearing right now as well. Did he? Yeah. Actually? He's a big fan of the uh, Cobra organization from GI <laughs> Joe. Gives you a little bit of uh, a background. Uh, in the yeah. <laughs> I uh, I like the logo. I do, I do support the good guys, um, and I am a big staunch supporter of our military and our oh, veterans. Of course, yes. of course. Love the military. Love the veterans. <laughs> now. Uh, I guess we wanted to talk a little bit about um, what the school board does. So if you want to give us a little bit of a rundown as to what they're in charge of, uh, I think that would be really helpful for all our listeners. So that's actually a good question. So there's a, a misperception in the community that the school board actually kind of has the ability to hire and fire any employee of our school system. Love uh, it. That is not, in fact, true. <laughs> um, the only employee uh, that we actually supervise is the superintendent of schools. So if you think about a, a, a chain of command, he's at the top underneath, I guess, the school board and the citizens who elect the school board, technically. And then underneath that uh, superintendent, there's associate superintendents. Then you start getting really into the weeds of directors and different positions all the way down to school personnel. Mm -hmm. So that's the central office chain of command. But really, the school board oversees the operations of our school system. We uh, provide and give the support for the superintendent to maintain really our goals that we outline in our strategic plan usually every year. Uh, what we're looking to accomplish as a school system and then the various things that come up of course right now the COVID-19 crisis so yeah. speaking of the COVID-19 crisis <laughs> we have a lot of um, you know changes happening to the uh, school year um, I believe you said it's going to be roughly 100% virtual um, so I guess my first question for you is going to be with the way that it's going to be virtual you have students who are you know low income 
um, have very limited access to the internet or electronic devices. So what is being done to make sure that they get access, uh, the right access to education and uh, an equal access to education? Do you think you guys will be like providing tablets <coughs> with cellular data or like computers or something like that? Yeah, so just um, to backtrack a little bit, so originally on the July 15th school board meeting that went till 2.30 in the morning, um, I did move a motion. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> very, very. Electric. Very, yes. Good times. Did you at least um, get to be home for that? Uh, what was I going to say? Um, da, 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 da. Yes. So back to your question. <laughs> so originally I was like kind of like, wait, what? Um originally uh, my motion was to go 50 50 to a hybrid model so that was the original plan pushed forward by the school board and more of a straw poll nothing mm -hmm. official but to make the superintendent devise a plan for 50 percent in school 50 percent virtual giving parents always the ultimate option to pulling their kids and going full virtual okay um and so that plan failed on a 4-4 vote oh boy and then into the wee hours of the night uh, we worked up a compromise, and that's where you get what you were talking about there, Haroon. Uh, so, yes, so now we're pretty much going 100% virtual uh, with the disclaimer that uh, students with certain disabilities or low-level English language learners would have the option for in-person learning. Um, and so that's in itself leads to its own troubles. Uh, but to go to your question about equity and technology distribution, um, I think, uh, you know, we're trying to do as best we can. Uh, we did purchase $5 million worth of laptops and computers. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. That's a lot of money. That's cash, a lot of money. Cash. And I think we actually just got another lump sum of money from the Board of Counties. Yeah, I know we did. Another $5 million from them. And so I think we're still trying. We don't have the computers still in our system for a one-to-one -one for every child. Mm -hmm. But I think we're working from a site-level school basis. So families who need a particular um, support uh, economically disadvantaged Title I families. We're working to make sure they have some type of system, a computer, one-to-one -one device or something, laptop, tablet, to better support them. Uh, we're doing free Wi-Fi zones and parking lots. Oh, that's um, awesome. That's great. So, yeah, so we're doing that. We're trying. I know we have partnerships with like Comcast and stuff to try to offer reduced pricing for um, you know families in need who make a certain percentage and stuff like that. So. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so we're that's good to hear. I hadn't yeah. heard about the like Wi-Fi like parking lots essentially like places to essentially yeah. take event because that was a big concern, right? Just because the equipment's provided, you still need that internet connection. Mm -hmm. You still need a stable enough one where again, you know, if you're doing all these Zoom beans, I mean, I use Zoom every day for work, and I'm there's just two of us in the house, and it's obnoxious to do the day to day. Uh, work ethic in general. Mm -hmm. um, but to add on top of you know the fact that we're doing this sort of virtual learning. In regards to just the technology, how are you helping? Because, you know, part of the concern for parents is, right, what's stopping a, children, like a child from just cheating on a test in, you know, remote learning? What's to say, okay, well, I'm learning online. I've just got my phone right here for this test. And, you know, some parents, they're very against this idea of uh, – Quick information. Yeah, just freedom to their information. Have yeah. Resources. Yeah, I, I mean, just like, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of former students take virtual classes in college, Nova or any other campus that has like a Blackboard or a Canvas or some type of, 
excuse me, some type of platform like that. Mm -hmm. uh, to some sense, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, in my opinion, I don't know if there's ever a perfect guarantee that they're not cheating or they're not flying through this work. I mean, to yeah. have a proctor, especially right now, I mean. It's just crazy. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're doing the best we can to adapt mm -hmm. um, and, and try to provide the best support we can. I know our teachers have been working hard setting up their Canvas pages mm -hmm. uh, for synchronous and asynchronous learning uh, for their students in a virtual environment. So again, this, these are unprecedented times. And, yeah, and, and, and if ultimate. anyone thought that there was some type of plan you know, that could work for every student. Yeah. I mean, uh, tell me where it is. Well, and it changes because, every day. Correct, correct. Right. I mean, if you look at Fairfax County, they originally voted to go uh, more of a blended in-person virtual model. And then after our board went virtual, they went back, had an emergency meeting, and then retracted and went all virtual. So, okay. Now, you so. said you got like $5 million from the Board of Supervisors. Is that yeah, correct? Board of County Supervisors. Right. Now, yeah. you can plead a fifth on this one if you want, but... Um, I wanted to know if that was a good amount of money or if you guys need more. Because that doesn't seem like like at all the necessary funds that should be provided to the school system to ensure kids' quality education. So to that question, I mean, it's not pleading the fifth. It's public knowledge. So when our chairman presented to the Board of County Supervisors our unfunded mandates of what we need uh, moving forward, we're about $40 million short. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, there's always more money. <laughs> you know, I mean, five million. We're grateful. We're thankful. And mm -hmm. there's rumors that there's going to be another round of CARES Act funding from the federal government. I personally don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, whoever knows. So that. yeah, so I mean, we're going to have to do the best we can. Um, you know, we are one of the lowest funded per pupil school districts in the entire region, um, and that's even below like Manassas City and stuff. So. You know, we're doing the best we can as, as, as much as possible in these unprecedented times. We know that there's during these there's there's no pleasing everyone. Yeah. And, and I mean, even like we found from the vote about in-person versus 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 virtual. Yeah. You know, even, you know, people who saw me put the motion forward to go 50 50, but then ultimately in the end compromise to go virtual. Mm hmm. You know, you can't please everyone. Yeah. So both, both, both negative sides. On well, this and we're process. at a point where, you know, a person wearing a face mask leads to a fist fight in this country. So people oh are just gosh. upset for no reason. And they're like, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to be pissed off regardless of what you guys decide to do. Um, now, what a, in, in regards to, you know, th these are measures being put in place in terms of maintaining the education. Now, in terms of the you know, as you move into the more in-person learning, as we start, you, whenever we start to move towards this, right? We, I mean, ultimately, we just hit 5 million cases of COVID in the United States. So there's no clear sign of when we're going to be in clear water. Um, how is the personal protection and sanitation standards coming for this county so far? You know, because you're hearing about these sto like schools that are starting to open up now. Mm -hmm. um, and I, there's this one picture of this uh, girl from Georgia, I believe. I and Paul, Paulding, it, Paulding County Schools. Yeah, something like that. And it, all she did was post a picture mm -hmm. uh, of her hallway, and she ended up getting suspended. Mm -hmm. And that same picture, there have, there have been nine confirmed cases of COVID from that school uh, since then. I mean, ultimately, is, you know, do you personally believe, you know, in person, how would we best manage? Because, you know, there are tons of kids yeah. in these schools nowadays. Agreed. Agreed. And even at 50% capacity, we're not meeting the six feet really kind of recommended approach uh, mm -hmm. from the CDC. I think it was six. But then right when that vote happened, uh, the uh, secretary, not secretary, the, the state superintendent said with mask on, you could go three feet apart. Mm -hmm. So you would have to mandate mask in a 50% in-person environment. Mm -hmm. um, but to my point when I made my motion – I said that if we shut schools down now on July 15th, 
I knew there would be schools opening throughout the country. Mm-hmm. There were. Yeah. I mean, and there are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there still are. And I said we would revisit this vote after seeing kind of these case studies that are happening. So you bring up Paulding, you bring up other areas. I mean, there was a little rural district in Indiana that had a huge outbreak, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's happening everywhere, big, small, all over the country. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, I would have voted to go virtual. Yeah. I just thought it was too soon mm-hmm. uh, to make that decision. Yeah, you and, wanted to have the option to do 50-50. Correct, yeah. correct. And so, um, yeah, so to, to go back to your question, after eight weeks of this, it's going to be very interesting because that puts us, what, in November, at the end of October? Yeah. So you're looking at the height of flu season coming mm-hmm. up, um, and I, I don't see a vaccine being widely distributed at that point or yeah. even ready. So I think it's going to be very hard um, based off of, again, what I see happening to justify going in person to some extent. Yeah. But we'll see. I mm-hmm. mean, who knows? Um, but all signs right now are kind of uh, – uh, unfavorable to the idea of going back in person anytime in the near future. Yeah. Now, with looming evictions and like housing insecurity for a lot of families, um, has there been anything put into place to ensure that these kids um, and their families are able to properly maintain uh, the education? I know you said there was going to be those, um, uh, you said there was the parking lots with Wi Fi and everything like that. But is there anything to that was added to the school board or is being planned for? by the school board to make sure that these kids are able to get proper sleep, um, you know, anything like that. Is there anything take, uh, being taken into consideration by the school board to help these kids out? I mean, I think all that has to be taken into consideration, but I think, you know, ultimately, I hate to say it, but I, I mean, uh, we can't parent. Um, and, uh, you know, as much as we try to pass policy or do as much as we can for equity and the you know, this distribution of technology resources and Internet resources and such, I, I think it's just hard to mandate or something and take into consideration that type of thing. Well, especially with funding already Cor- being have to be you know, distributed how it is. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't know how that would be feasible, especially because all these different places are shutting down community centers and everything like that. So you don't really have the ability to bring kids together yeah. in, in, a, in, in, a, in a safe environment um, and even getting adults there, you know, some extent. A lot of educators rightfully are fearful of going back to work because of you mentioned like uh, sanitation Mm -hmm. and PPE making sure the supplies are there for teachers Mm -hmm. Uh, I think you know hopefully during this first eight weeks we as a school system are ordering the resources and uh, you know putting that uh, stuff in our offices and Mm -hmm. in the classrooms plexiglass and providing supplies and stuff like that for mm-hmm. teachers uh, so that our schools are safe uh, for our students and our teachers when we go back eventually. Yeah. Well, and, you know, because with Virginia, compare, you know, I've mentioned this before, but, like, compared to some of the other states, we've gotten a lot of COVID cases, but we've maintained relatively stable. You know what I mean? Compared to some of the other hotspots in the country, we've kind of maintained our level of COVID. We yeah. haven't had a giant spike, but we haven't necessarily had a tiny infection rate. It's just kind mm-hmm. of been maintained a steady mm-hmm. course this mm-hmm. whole and time. And I think some of the zip codes around here are pretty high. Too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know Manassas and Woodbridge were, were pretty high up there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, now, uh, Hold on, I'm just checking. You can keep on going. <laughs> checking yeah, something. Look at that. This guy's checking his yeah. phone during our wonderful podcast. The audacity of these elected officials. Once they get into office, they're unaccountable. They're unaccountable. But um, let's see. Let's see. 
You know, I feel like you've always maintained an independent position. You know, you've never been one side or the other. You've always tried to find a compromise wherever you can. Do you, f do you credit that to being uh, the reason for your success and your reelection? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would say more than independent, pragmatic, mm -hmm. um, and willing to hear out all sides of an issue. Um, I think it's important, you know, instead of voting always based on emotion, uh, that you do research and you find best practices and you can prove to people the rationale for why you're voting the way you are. So, for example, uh, supporting and adding gender identity to the non-discrimination clause. Yeah, my emotion would have told me, obviously, to do it. Um, but I also knew there was a large segment of our community for religious reasons or other reasons as well who were fearful um, and as as outrageous or outlandish as some people would describe their fears I think they had to be addressed mm -hmm. and so I think it's people value the work I do and the research for example where I spent hours and hours and hours calling school districts all over the country who already have implemented policies to protect gender identity uh, with our students to get you know information you know I mean one there was a fear brought up multiple times about uh, you know, guys dressing up as girls to go attack girls in the girls' bathroom. And in fact, in all of New York City public schools, which is the largest school system in the country, there was not a single case of that. Nice. So I, I think, you know, presenting the evidence and, and making sure people know where you're coming from, uh, I think is a big reason why, uh, you know, I was able to run unopposed uh, because people see me as someone willing to kind of listen to all sides of an issue. Yeah, mm -hmm. I've always felt that about you. You know, Thanks. you've always you've always given me That's something. Uh, of course, <laughs> you've always given me something extra to think about. I'm always I've always been very progressive, but you know, you really helped me rein in some of my more emotional thoughts in terms of the progressive values. So I feel like more so now than ever, I can really say I'm willing to listen to every single point of view. And not and not make a decision until I've actually had the facts presented to me, and then I can do some research myself. And I think that's very important for leadership. You know, you seem to be probably one of the only people, um, other than like a handful of people here and there in the Virginia um, uh, elected officials, that actually takes into that consideration. Because I feel like a lot of people are just reactionary to the times. Like you know, a lot of people just go, oh, you know, it looks like on Twitter this is trending, so I better be a part of this, you know, because that's like a big thing with being anti-Trump right now, you know. I, I agree. I think your sentiments that there is a lot of polarization now more yeah. so than ever uh, on both sides. And uh, I think that's a, a tough thing to navigate through in this type of climate right yeah. now. And I don't, <laughs> you know. I, it's tough telling people that you disagree with how they feel apparently now. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you think about the reopening of schools, you know, I mean, there are large camps of people who said in-person instruction, and there are still people that believe in that, uh, despite what we see happening in like Georgia or Florida, mm -hmm. um, you know, but then we also have, um, you know, people who a hundred percent, you know, especially a lot of our educators and the teachers union who did not want teachers at all going back. Yeah. To school. I mean, I've seen teachers write in wills in Seattle and stuff because they're genuinely, you know, they're saying, Hey, I have to see 150 kids a day. Again, you know, you can't assume that every single one of those kids is going to follow all the guidelines to, uh, you know, effectively prevent his infection of COVID-19. 
uh, and these teachers, you know, they feel like they're strong-armed, right? You know, it's their job. They have to do it, um, and unfortunately, depending on who, you know, who makes the decision, they may be stuck going into class, and they, you know, is, are you guys doing anything, you know, with talk around immunocompromised teachers in particular, or would, you know, you guys are planning on going mostly virtual uh, for the good portion of the year from what it sounds like at this point? I mean, right now, the we are hearing from a lot of special education teachers and aides about the fact that they're going in in a phased approach. Uh, I think the balance and the difficult issue with that is um, without any type of waivers from the U.S. Department of Education and our lovely Betsy DeVos. Yes. Um, <laughs> I might have caught that sarcasm. Um, growing up in Michigan, you know all about the DeVos family. Um, <laughs> So they came, they were in Michigan long before they became national. Um, but a history lesson. Yes, a little history lesson. Uh, but you are still obligated by law to meet all the requirements in a student's IEP. Mm-hmm. So if, and that's their legal document for special needs students uh, for making sure they get the appropriate services uh, that the school system can offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's been a lot of special education law and stuff like that. There's entire courses and volumes of cases and l- whatever, litigation. <laughs> Endless. Or, yes, yeah. yes. But my point uh, is if you have a low-functioning student who cannot learn virtually, mm-hmm. Who's to say that those parents don't sue the school system because they're not going to be able to administer in-person learning? Yeah. It's a legitimate claim. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a con- something that we should be mindful of. And I, and I understand and I get, you know, that there are major concerns. But I think as a school system, we need to make sure that our teachers are protected, the ones that may have to come in and work with these severely disabled students, that they have the proper PPE, the, the face guard, the mask, the gloves, the, you know, the support – uh, for a lot of these students, especially ones that have might have bowel movements and, and issues like that that they have to address. Mm-hmm. So, I- again, it's another one of those no-win situations. Yeah. Because if you go all virtual, then you are depriving a decent— Someone's not getting it, essentially. You are depriving yeah. a de- decent segment of this population of not having learning for however many um, months or weeks. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm tough issue yeah definitely oh yeah well this whole i mean 2020 in general has just turned into what the hell do we do <laughs> like yeah. i mean it's just a nightmare at this point um let's see now so virginia is one of the worst states for workers in general i know this is a little bit off topic from what we've been going on right now but with the way things are going there's a lot less protection here for workers than there are in some of the other states do you see that being a very big issue as this continue this crisis continues to go on? And do you feel like that's going to eventually cause even more issues uh, for work and finding work and then being able to fill uh, jobs that are needed? I mean, I think right now everyone's hurting with the economy and instability right now as a result of COVID-19. Um, in regards to workers' rights in Virginia, I think we're slowly moving in the direction of moving away from right to work. We're mm-hmm. very close, uh, which I'm su- – supportive of um being a big supporter of labor and growing up with a a father in united auto workers um and so uh and being a member of the teachers union all that good stuff too so i think we're moving the direction i think collective bargaining is coming before us i think that already passed uh both houses uh so whereas some states let's just use michigan for example who a couple years back moved away uh from uh being a union state 
Uh, I think Virginia is moving kind of in the exact opposite. You're going from a right-to-work state to potentially a strong union state. So, you know, there's major shifts in what are happening in this country, whereas the Midwest, I think, is becoming slowly more conservative. And you have states like Virginia, North Carolina, and Georgia that are moving more towards the uh, the Democratic column when it comes to uh, issues like that. Uh, but back to the, the, the um, you know, workers' rights and protecting workers and stuff like that, I think that is going to be an issue and that's going to have to be addressed. But, uh, you know, I, we have a fairly stable economy up here, at least because of the government sector. Um, but that still doesn't negate the fact that there are a lot of people that are losing their jobs right now. And uh, we have to figure out a way to carry everyone. Um, but again, the other flip of the coin is that we're going massively in debt right now. Um, to extend unemployment benefits and such like that. So, I mean, I think uh, we have to we have to move forward this economy. Um, and, and COVID nineteen is a horrible, horrible virus, and it's killing thousands, thousands of people. Uh, but we got to find a way to get moving forward. Otherwise, I think we're going to hit a major depression. So it's a balancing act again, just like everything else that we're dealing with. And if we talk about the schools and stuff like that, uh, I, I just it's just unprecedented times. That's all I can say. I don't know. Yeah. So I. I I assume with your job that you're working from home right now mm -hmm. in terms of both the uh, school board and uh, your regular nine to five. Well, actually, with the school board meetings, I do go in person. Uh, those started like a month ago. Oh, nice. And, yeah. Okay. So I do five of us go in person for quorum and the other three join electronically. So. Okay. Well, that's good. At least yeah, we but, have some elected officials yeah, actually doing their job. Yeah. And there, I think our BOCS has been going in person for a long time. Um, so that's good, too. Um, <laughs> So, but uh, to your uh, point, yes, my office right now is fully remote, I think, until January. Okay. Um, people can come in, but it's all the way up in Arlington, so I'm For not, sure. you know, that's... Why? Why, <laughs> why would you yeah, go in? Well, yeah, yeah I mean, this is, I mean, being home all day with your kids and stuff like that can drive you stir crazy, but, sure. you know, yes. yeah. I can only imagine. Um, now, do you think that's a good shift for us to go toward as this crisis goes on, working from home, that is? Do you think it's important for every job that can work from home to do so? Or do you think that we should um, we should follow guidelines with masks six feet away from people, et cetera, et cetera, and just uh, try that out? I think what do you think is the best approach? I think it depends on the nature of your job. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all for any of that. But I do believe in the future what this is going to do is going to change the workforce dramatically uh, even after COVID-19 is done. I think a lot of companies are going to still see productivity with their employees working from home. Yeah. The cost that they'd be saving on uh, leases and all this stuff uh, in the, the places where these employ where I work or whatever, you know, and I think that's going to hit those people much harder, the ones who lease those buildings and mm -hmm. such like that. And so, yeah, I think... I think we're going to definitely see more companies uh, offer their employees the option for more work from home days, if not hiring 100% virtual employees as well. So, but again, it's the nature of your job. I think you know, if, uh, there, you know, so people are going to. There are certain jobs where yeah. you have to go Could, in person. Yeah, Can be sure. a construction yes. worker remotely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. There are certain Drones, positions. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, like our custodians have been in our schools all along. Like they've. Oh, nice. Yeah, they've never stopped. <laughs> but you know, they've been had their protective gear, and from my best of my knowledge, I don't think one custodian has had any COVID outbreak um, with any of our schools. So they're. Yeah, they're saying. I appreciate that you care about our custodians. Yeah, I just they're wanted to mention case. that. Very big shout out to yeah, them. Well, and I know that like lunches and stuff. You know, I have a neighbor. She's I, she's a cafeteria manager, I believe, for one of the schools in this county, and uh, she's been saying how you know every day for breakfast and lunch, typically, you know, students are able to go to the schools and actually you know get lunch, and so you know that's one less stress <laughs> on the parents who that is driving cool. mad from this staying at home, having to take care of kids, while also ever demanding increases with work because. Cool. 
jobs magically think that now because you're, you know, since you're working at home, well, you can work all the time. <laughs> There's nothing Ridiculous. wrong with that. Uh, co correct. I mean, no, I mean, and you're right. I mean, you talk about helping uh, economically, uh, you know, challenge families and Title I families and stuff like that. We've done, I think, a great job as a county school system. Um, Adam Russo is the head of the uh, Nutrition and Food, and uh, he's done a phenomenal job. Uh, and we've had a lot of community partners with Meals on Wheels and different, uh, you know, different organizations. Uh, and our and our cafeteria workers distribute food in uh, different uh, um, pickup zones, I guess you know, designated mm -hmm. buildings where people come from all over the county uh, to get meals. That's awesome. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Well, yeah. we really appreciate you coming onto our podcast. Yeah, thank Justin. you very much. Thank Justin. you so much. This has been magical. Our yeah. first locally elected official. Right That's here. right. Yes. That's right. We're very much appreciative of you coming on. Can you tell all your other local uh, elected officials to buddies. come on with us? Yes. yes. Even the ones you don't like. Yeah. Uh, I will get. Can they be former? Former? You want? Willi, you want Willie Deutsch? No, I think I, I could get. I would love yes. to talk to Willie. I think I love playing laser tag. with I think I could get Willie. Yes, I think I could get Willie on here for you. Oh, that's amazing. Yes, I can only be on if. We can play laser tag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Thanks, guys. Uh, now, um, oh. just before we oh. leave, just okay. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, is there anything you wanted people to know? Uh, maybe that they have more misconceptions about what you do or anything like that. Any ways to kind of, you know, is there any way people can sort of contact you with concerns, you know, something like that in regards to, you know, that now they have a voice. Because the problem, and you know, part of the reason why we're starting this podcast is local politics. A lot of people are just out of the know in it, right? You know, they're just not as privy to what's going on in their Especially own locality. Our, us younger folk. Yeah, exactly. And uh, is there any way that, you know, people like us that are concerned can reach out to you and kind of talk about things? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm very responsive with my email. I'm watching my email kind of fill up right now. Um, and so, you know, I'm usually, like I said, I try to reply to people within 24 hours. Uh, email's probably the best way. Um, yeah, I do have a phone line that goes through our clerk of our board and that message is redirected to me. Um, so, I mean, those are the typical ways I'm on social media, but I typically tell people I don't want, you know, to e answer questions on social media. Yeah. I'll give them my email address and t if they really want to talk to me, they can email me. Uh, but I think a misconception is although our Kelly leadership building is massive and there's a lot of people that work there, the school board, eight of us only share two secretaries primarily clerks mm -hmm. and so people think that we have staff which the board of county supervisor has each of them have a staff from three to four okay mm -hmm. so we don't have that so you know it's all on us so when people are looking for hyper responsive you know things or you know uh, communication that goes out we don't get any of that money we don't get postage to send out stuff in the community like newsletters and stuff like that um, and, and so it's a lot harder uh, for us to extend and put ourselves out there in the community, uh, which is really hard now because I can't do any events. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of town halls. I went to events all the time. He was time. really good at the town yeah, halls. Mikhail yeah, Mikhail will tell, um, excuse me, will tell you that, I mean, these events, I used to go three nights a week on average to different school functions I would take and pictures events. of him. He used to time. when he first started, um, mm -hmm. and then he, he kind of peaced out. Wow. So he hurt wow. himself. Calling me out. <laughs> he hurt himself. <laughs> You could so. have been the head of the board right you now. You could, Maria. yeah, you could. I was his director of constituent affairs. Oh okay? yeah, that's right. I've seen Haroon write a statement for you before, Justin. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think I scrapped it. <laughs> so several of them. Actually. Yes, I don't know. Have any of them ever gone through? <laughs> several of my tweets for you have gone through. Okay, that's okay. fact. That's yeah. a fact right there. Haroon yeah. certified tweets. That's right. That's, that's awesome. right. Spicy, progressive. Yeah, you know. Just like our newest administration. That's it. <laughs> so, nice. and in regard, just one more question before you go. You know, in regards to saying funding and stuff for postage stamp, what is the best way a community could help make it known that we want 
more funding for schools that we can that we want to help divert more money to our education how can we how can people's voices best be heard and get in our schools to where we want because ultimately you know better than anybody education is the best inv investment this country can make That's for a right. child former teacher now school board yeah. member you yeah. got the answers yeah right well i think another area that often is frustrating for the school board is that during budget season people will come out in droves to the school board meeting mm -hmm. and tell us what we need to do with our budgets but people forget that our budget is set by the Board of County Supervisors. Yeah. So the real meetings that people should be going to and speaking and lining up out the doors, you know, including our teachers union and all of our citizens, uh, is the BOCS. Mm -hmm. Because we had the shared revenue agreement, which has been in place, I forget, over 10 plus years. So we get a certain percentage of all revenue, but it never goes up and never goes down. Mm. And what it is, it, it kind of just it meets the standard. Yeah. As you saw, like 40 million short in COVID-19 purchases, like yeah. what we could use. Enough to get by, but yeah. not enough to thrive. Correct. But I mean, oh. we are, I mean, but I also understand like, you know, Fairfax County, you're paying much more in property taxes. Mm -hmm. I mean, to live in Fairfax County, you're going to pay, I mean, for your home of the same size, it's what, over $100,000 more just to be in Fairfax County. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have way more funding there. So it's, it's interesting dynamic because people will move the Prince William, mm -hmm. not pay the taxes like they have to pay in Fairfax or Arlington or up there but then still expect the same quality of education and that's just not how it, it works it's just yeah exactly i mean if you want your taxes to go up and your house to cost more yeah we probably can put more funding into our schools i'm down um yeah there you go um but again it's you know it, it's it's very interesting because people want it all but the reality is sometimes they don't want to pay for it yeah I agree. So, well, yeah. Justin, we very much appreciate you being on this podcast, my friend, and yeah, thanks, uh, you know, keep on keeping on. Thanks, yeah, that's, guys. I that's it, everybody. Yeah. This is the Cultural Inquiry Podcast. Don't forget to wear your mask, stay six feet apart, and remember, keep your local officials accountable and host them on your podcast. Nice. This is Haroon nice. and Zach. We're signing off. Thank you, Justin. Bye. See you guys. Thank you, sir. That was pretty yeah, good. I like pretend, that. pretend we're in action. Hey, baby. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Babe. Could you take a photo of us for Justin? I want to. And also us. <laughs> the dog stopped. He's almost put on his mic. <laughs> 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 <laughs>